Hello and welcome to this Endo Life Season 3, Episode 25. I'm Jessica Duffin and this podcast is all about bringing you guests who are helping others to live and thrive with endometriosis. In the last episode of the season, I'm talking to Alice Smith. Alice Smith is a 23-year-old trustee and young ambassador for Endometriosis UK and she's causing quite a well-deserved stir in education at the moment. The UK government are reviewing what should be taught in sex and relationships and PSHE lessons in England and Alice thinks it's about time that menstrual well-being made it onto the agenda. 14% of menstruators are starting their periods in the UK without knowing what they are which to me is just mind-blowing I had another word in my head then but I thought I should reduce my rate of swearing in the podcast Um, and one in four said they did not feel they knew what to do when they started their period if you want to find out more stats um, head over to Plan UK they've just done a well not just done but it's quite recent a report on um, young girls and menstruation in the UK I can't remember the name of it at the moment but I will put it in the show notes it's a brilliant report Um, really love what they're doing anyway um, of course this is a huge problem if young people aren't being sufficiently educated about what to expect from an average period how are they ever going to know when something's wrong and if you hop over to Instagram to endometriosis UK's campaign um, hashtag what I wish I learned you will see countless stories of people suffering for decades because they thought what they were going through was normal. Um, and it just can't continue like that any longer. So Alice and Endometriosis UK um, have launched a change.org petition to get menstrual wellbeing taught in schools. So they want the stigma and shame of periods to be broken and for all pupils to understand what's normal and what's not when it comes to menstruation so that people can recognise sooner the signs and symptoms of endometriosis, PCOS, fibroids and other menstrual related conditions because of course even though this podcast is about endometriosis so many of us have overlapping conditions. Um, For example I have interstitial cystitis um, and many I know many people with endometriosis who have PCOS or adenomyosis or fibroids Um, and even if they don't have endometriosis we all know what it's like to suffer Um, And I just don't think anyone else should be suffering with undiagnosed conditions like we have. So um, I've been working with Endometriosis UK on this campaign as a freelancer. So not as this endo life, um, but just as me, Jess. Um, And have been so motivated and inspired by the petition and the campaign that I just had to have Alice on the show. Um, I chatted to Alice about the petition, their social media campaign, her own experience of menstrual well-being um, in school and why that's motivated her to launch this petition and what we can all do to make a difference to future generations and end period shame. Um, also, as a side note, whilst I am involved in this campaign, um, so you, that's why you'll hear me say we a couple of times, um, it's, important to state, it's important to state that all my views expressed on this endo life, whether that's in my Instagram or my blog or Um, on this podcast they're mine only and they do not represent those of endometriosis uk so my work other than this interview um, and any spreading of the campaign that i do um, is completely separate from endometriosis uk so i just wanted you guys to know that Um, before we start 
I want to give a shout out to our podcast sponsors, Jane Braxton and Kelly Marie. Um, they've been continually supporting the podcast over on Patreon. If you want to support this endo life and help me get season four off the ground, um, you can just head over to the website. It's www.patreon.com forward slash endo life. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. And Patreon's basically a site where um, you can support financially creators that you like to follow. So they might have a podcast or they might have a blog or YouTube um, and they don't make a ton of money from advertisement um, or any. Um, so yeah, you can donate as little as a dollar um, or as much as you want. Um, and it means that I can pay for the costs of the show um, and the software I use, the equipment, um, the time that goes into it. Um, I would really, really appreciate any help um, that can be offered. And thank you for listening and thank you for supporting. Finally, this episode and this Endo Life intro music was edited and produced by the Podfarm Podcast Editing Services for the new and established podcast. I feel like I always trip over that sentence and I'm not really sure why. Anyway, visit thepodfarm.com to find out more about their services and how they can help you grow your podcast from just an idea to a polished and successful show. Um, as I mentioned at the beginning of this intro, this is the last episode in the season. Um, all being well um, and I get the sponsorship and back in to keep the show going. Um, I will be back around mid-October with season four, which um, will hopefully give me some time to find a quiet place to record again. Um, I'm sure some of you know from my last episode what's what's been going on. Um Thank you so much for listening to this season. I really hope you enjoyed it. I've got some really exciting plans for season four. Um, talking about sex, work, endometriosis supplements. Um, I'm really trying to cover a broad spectrum. Um, so I'm super excited to get that going. I look forward to seeing you then. And here's Alice. So to get started... Um, I'd really love to know what your experience of menstrual well-being in school was because I have, I kind of have no memory of mine because it was pretty much non-existent. Yeah, I think that's probably similar to most people our age. I remember um, in one of the few sex ed classes I had, um, a nurse putting a tampon in a glass of water and then we'd all cross our legs. <laughs> and that is about as much as I remember. Um, so it was really wasn't ideal really I remember actually seeing about 30 different packs of pills and that was it wow mm. so you were taught about contraception I mean how was that delivered to you was that this will stop you getting pregnant or this will regulate your hormones this will stop you from having periods like well firstly at my school it was down to your form tutor if they wanted to give you that or not so right. some people never did it some people never had anything at school oh my and my form tutor was amazing she was this fearless lady so um she used to think it was quite fun sort of because obviously all the boys get overexcited as soon as bananas and condoms yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well I remember I was really really nervous about it and my mum had to go into school um because that made me feel better going into school as it always does do with parents <laughs> um just as sort of so she could sort of brace me for what it was going to be that was in year six um I think we had it in year six that's when we got the tampon in the glass from the school nurse and then um 
I think I had it again in year nine, but again, it was really basic stuff. It was sort of um, pills and contraception. So, I mean, when you, obviously you were saying you were like nervous beforehand. How did, do you remember how you felt when they taught you, like they put a tampon in water and they talked to you about contraception and pills? Like what was, were you scared or were you like? I think, I do actually think, I know why they do it. But to sort of very young me, it felt really irrelevant. There were mm. other things I'd rather know about. Um, and although you're curious about how all that stuff works, you know, a lot of us, a lot of the girls in the class were having periods at that point. We knew nothing really apart from that the pill can stop them or make them lighter or control them. Yeah. Um, and I remember when the nurse put the, um, when she put the tampon in the, in the glass we were all afterwards were like we're never ever ever gonna wear tampons <laughs> and we're all horrified yeah so. I remember feeling that <laughs> so how how did like this experience affect your experience of your periods and obviously unknown to you endometriosis as you grew up like when when did you start your period so I started when I was 13 um, and I was one of the last ones actually in my class to start because my birthday's in June. Right. So a lot of them were 14. I was such a late bloomer. I didn't start my period until like I was like 16, like on the end of 16, I think. Uh, I wish I had started then. <laughs> my sister was quite a late bloomer as well, actually. And so was everyone else in my family. So I don't know. If, um, I don't know what that was all about. But um, yeah, it was kind of I was quite intrigued. And I was really, really, I'm really competitive. So I was quite eager to start my period <laughs> um, because a lot of other people had. And my mum at the time was like, you're not good. You're going to regret that. And lo and behold, I wish I'd never started them. Um, so when it started, I didn't know a lot. I have a really, really brilliant, informative mother. Um, and she, I remember when I got my first period, she drew a diagram of what it looks like beneath. And this is all basic stuff that, that, we should learn in schools because you can't just assume that everyone's got an amazing mum or sister or dad or so she drew me a a, um a diagram of what it looked like and at the age of 14 I knew that we had then a wee hole and a vagina which some of my (laughs) friends still don't know now um and then she sort of told me how to put a tampon in um she gave me a tampon gave me some lube for the tampon and gave me a mirror so I could have a look underneath and she was so practical about it and informative and my mum has been amazing for making sure that um my health and my relationship with my body comes before taboos and I think that's had such a massive informing impact on how I am now Uh, and that's why I can talk about endometriosis and periods at work or um on the radio or on tv or whatever because um she always said no you absolutely you do not feel ashamed this is your body this is practicality being a woman so she drew me the diagram she gave me i remember giving me the mirror and me being sort of shocked and horrified and embarrassed um but she was just so brilliant and practical about it um now i'm not saying that teachers need to go and give uh, all the students mirrors but there should be that um I'd love one day for us to have that fearlessness in society you know it's a simple fact of life Mm. that um menstruation happens and that you bleed with that and that you act on it if you're really heavy you're not just going to bleed everywhere so we need 
Um, I don't know. It's so silly that there's shame caught up in it all. And I do think when you are a young teenager, um, you feel those taboos harder. So what would be brilliant, and that's kind of where this campaign started from really, is if we sort of tackled a whole generation of, of people, um, then that's a, an amazing way of starting to, to break it down and lead by example, really. Mm. And do you think missing out, obviously you had your mum who played a really big role. Do you think missing out on um, menstrual well-being at school, like a fully rounded education on that do you think that affected like how long your journey to diagnosis was how how many years did you wait so I it sounds if people don't know about endometriosis they're really shocked by this when I say I'm lucky it only took two years Um, but that is really lucky um so I had a pain a year before I started my periods and then I was diagnosed a year after starting Uh, but in yeah but in that period I'd been hospitalized about seven times um and like at 14 they every single time they always thought it was I was miscarrying but that's their first port of call um endometriosis was mentioned also before I was diagnosed I was seeing a pediatric gynecologist just because my my reaction my pain levels were just very rare and very high um and by the time of diagnosis I wasn't really going to school um, because I was being rushed into hospital every time I ovulated and every time I had a period. So that was every two weeks. And then you have loads of morphine, takes you a week and a bit once you're out of hospital to recover. So I'd be back in school for two days and then I'd be rushed back in. Um, so, well, yeah, it's not just the education about a quicker diagnosis. I was so isolated when I found out that I had endometriosis because the, actually, the gynecologist who came to me after my surgery said, I'm very rare. It's a, She didn't say it's a working woman's disease, but she said it's very rare to have it in young women. But I know now, I know, I've not been to medical school and specialised. I know that's not true. Yeah. And if people have symptoms before the age of 25, mm-hmm. um, the lengthy diagnosis, you know, we weren't, we're not look, we weren't looking for it, rather, in girls that were 14, but they probably all the symptoms and probably have it growing in them and then they find out when they're 25 or whatever so I think there's a multitude of ways it would have shaped and changed my life a little bit if it had just mentioned at school um not only so that well just that I knew what it was I had endometriosis you know I went home and um, googled it and I was so happy to have a diagnosis because we were really worried we didn't know what was wrong um they didn't know what was wrong so it was great. I know what it is. We're going to go. We're going to fix this. And then I got home and I was, just the world came crashing down my, around my ears. Really. I was 14 reading stories about how I'm going to be infertile and how I won't be able to keep a relationship together or a job together. How I'm going to be miserable. How I'm going to be in pain forever. Yeah, it must have been really scary for you. It was really, really scary. It's horrifying. It was traumatic. Um, and if it had been spoken about in school, maybe a bit more about what was normal. What wasn't normal, what these things are that aren't normal. So if we, because we, by not speaking about it, it's, it makes it even more of a taboo and makes it even more of this unknown scary thing. So you, when you go sort of delving into the internet, which we can do so easily, mm-hmm. uh, you probably read a lot more of the bad stuff than if you if it was in a controlled, informed environment in school, safe yeah. environment. 
Um, and also diagnosed with endometriosis at 14, at 18, um, people know about it, their friends know about it. Um, boyfriends, girlfriends, cousins, siblings. Um, and I think that's part of the battle because being in pain all the time is, is quite lonely anyway. Mm. And having something that people can't pronounce is quite lonely. <laughs> and um the feeling or the thought of having no cure or difficulty to relieve symptoms is quite lonely so uh, we need to do all we can to relieve the, the things that we can and by talking about it um that's something that's well within our power do you i mean when you got diagnosed and in fact when you were having those problems beforehand in the year before you got diagnosed could you talk to your friends about it? Because you were saying that you were quite open. Were you open then, even at that age? That's a really interesting question. Um, I don't know if I was, you know. I, it, it's, it took me um, a good couple of years to go through the motions. I think because I felt so alone and isolated by my endometriosis and had a lot of time off school, I think... Interestingly, friends' parents probably understood better than my friends. Right, okay. Um, I think sort of mums got it a bit more. Uh, I think it's a very, very adult thing to go through um, at that age. And it's only adult because we don't talk about it. It's not because 14 don't have it. But um, I think it took me until I was about 17, realistically. Um, to be a bit more open about it it was it wasn't even for me now and I will sing it from the rooftops I remember being a bit embarrassed about it um even though I knew I shouldn't be Mm. I remember you know when people say oh what is it because no one ever knows it being a bit I would kind of go to lengths to avoid that conversation because I didn't want to say talk about periods yeah (laughs) I came up with a coping mechanism when I was about 16 if I didn't want to explain it I'll just say it's internal bleeding yeah um, I have a phrase as well I, I always say um if I'm not comfortable with that like talking about it to a certain person I'll say um it's when cells grow where they shouldn't and it causes loads of problems like imagine like having mini tumors everywhere basically and then people are like wow that's not serious I'm like yeah yeah <laughs> I just <laughs> kind of leave it mm. at that. so yeah I think that's and people who are going through that phase I try and tell them that it's okay you, you can tell someone as much or as little as they want as you want to uh, so it's good coping mechanism and then I think also it took me quite a few years to work through I was um, not only the isolation it was just painful um emotionally as well you know but like I still do feel like there's teen years I'll never get back um sort of imprisoned by pain is how I used to feel not allowed to live a normal life um and then also guilty because I spent loads of time in hospital with kids who were so much worse off than me and there was some of us who were sort of regulars so you get to know um or have spent more time with them and um and that'll always stay with me as well so yeah I think I only probably started speaking about it properly when I was 17 um and then it kind of did a full U-turn. It kind of went, and as soon as I decided that actually it's okay to speak about it, I'm going to own this now. Mm. Um, I then went 
Paul pelted it. <laughs> um, so I remember um, writing to Endometriosis UK saying, look, I'm a young person with endometriosis. I don't, I, I don't think the charity does anything for me. I want to help. Um, and so that is when I was 17. God, that's <laughs> six years ago now. Um, and that's incredible. Honest, I, still, I still don't think we do enough. I still think there's a thousand there's more things we can done, do. Yeah. But I think it's in a lot better space now than it ever has been. Um, and I think society in general, especially since, you know, the tampon tax, I think there's been such more traction in media in the last two years with endometriosis, which is amazing. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't, I, I've got to be honest, I don't think at school I was that upfront about it or maybe more towards when I was 18. I remember um, two of my best friends were in the um, head girls team at school and all my friends knew about it. And I, but they did an assembly on it for me to sort of raise a bit of awareness. And oh wow! And one of my um, my head of year was amazing. She wanted me to feel a bit empowered by it. Yeah. Uh, so my best friend did an assembly on it, but I didn't. I didn't really want to lead the assembly. I was involved in it, but I didn't. Didn't I just did a little personal bit at the end? And now to me ever letting someone else do an assembly on endometriosis whilst I'm in the room is ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> but that, that was me um it felt very personal and raw still then I think yeah yeah and I took age and more strength to speak about it without crying without it really really rocking me emotionally um so I mean I guess this goes back to the reason why you started to talk you started the petition and because I think if there hadn't been so much taboo and I mean if you had learned about endo when you were you know doing sex ed um it wouldn't you wouldn't have to have brought it up in the first place it could have been something where you're like yeah that's that's what I got or you know what we talked about you know um so let's talk about the petition a bit um could you Talk about what the petition actually is and and why you started it. Yes, yeah, so the petition hopefully should solve everything that we've just spoken about in lots of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, it's to bring menstrual well-being onto the curriculum for everyone, not just for girls. It needs to be for boys, girls. Um, and by speaking about menstrual well-being, we'll also then include what is not correct you know if we talk about what's normal we can then talk about what's not normal um and it's not just about speaking about endometriosis it's about uh fibroids and all sorts of other things um and it's something that a lot of people go through so we need to be much more informed about it than just ignoring half the population yeah absolutely and where is the where is the petition so petitions on change.org um you can find it there'll be a link this bio I don't know off the top of my head I'm sorry it's fine I'll put the link in the show notes for everyone yeah so petitions on change.org um and essentially we'd like to get a lot more signatures we're we're doing quite well at the minute but we can definitely do a lot better Mm -hmm. um because we want to take it to parliament is the aim of the game the curriculum for it's not well for PSHE is basically getting looked at and redesigned um and so we are lobbying to get menstrual well-being included in that. Mm-hmm. Do you know what that would what that would look like at the moment? Do you guys have an idea of, yeah, just kind of 
what exists at the moment and what we would prefer to exist? Yeah, so what they're saying at the minute, what they're proposing is for girls to be taught about or prepared and given facts. But A, um, we don't just want to educate girls. It's everyone. Mm -hmm. This is about liberating a conversation, getting people talking about it so that if it's your brother or if it's your boyfriend or if it's your best friend, they know about it as well. If we only educate women, we're, we're, we're fighting ourselves, basically. And also to be prepared and the facts that's so vague um so we we just need to we need to really outline it because by it being vague we're then going to give back into the taboos so there's a lot about um mental and physical health issues being put on the curriculum but no real gynae issues which is just not right mm, especially when they're starting so young and periods are beginning much younger as well yeah absolutely so and I think Plan's done some really great work around like um, the state of the UK and um, young people's understanding of like their periods. And it's 14% of young people are starting their periods without knowing what they are. And I can't remember what the stat is, but it might be one in four don't like don't feel prepared. Um so yeah, it's it's pretty shocking. Like imagine starting your period about yeah. not knowing what it was. Mm, and I was I was a little bit later than everyone else, or not everyone else, but it felt that way. A lot of people were were sort of fourteen by the time I started in my age group. And even though I knew exactly what it was, when it comes, you're still overwhelmed. Yeah. It's still a lot for a young person to go through. Absolutely, um, it feels very very adult. So. Um, I think the better prepared we can get people, the better. Yeah, definitely. And so at the moment, the petitions at um, is going well. It's at somewhere at 16,000, isn't it? 16,800. Um, so what are, I'm assuming everyone can sign, but what are the other ways that people could get involved with the campaign? Well, if you sign and then pass it on, eh? yeah. <laughs> try and get at least five other people to sign it. Um, we're talking about um, getting some sort of materials together that we can give to teachers who want to get involved so we don't just have to wait for the government people can start doing things themselves um, but the main things really with this campaign is signing it um, getting people involved um, and then once we've got these materials together if you've got a brilliant teacher who you think might be interested in it or you've got a friend who's a teacher um, and just also it's sort of wider than the campaign itself, but just talking about it to people, getting the name out there, getting the word out there. Mm. And there's um, there's a way, there's a social media campaign as well, isn't there? And how do people take part in that? So um, there is a hashtag, mm -hmm. um, what I wish I'd learn. Um, and it's a really brilliant, quite empowering thing. I love, absolutely love looking at the stories. Um because all sorts of people who maybe don't feel like they can speak up normally, it's a really easy, brilliant way for them to say what they wish they knew that they hadn't. It's a bit of hindsight. Doesn't everyone love hindsight? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, and the stories that you read there are incredible and sad and empowering. Um, and they just prove a thousand times over why we should be doing this. Because I honestly, I would 
I don't say this lightly, there's probably not a single person out there with endometriosis whose life wouldn't have been different or easier, dare I say, if it had been on the curriculum. Absolutely. Yeah, 100% agree with you there. Really do. And all of the other conditions as well, you know, PMDD and PCOS and and so many of them are, you know, they overlap. Many people have two conditions and it can be quite once you you've mastered one condition but then you've still got this something else going on you know if you knew that they sometimes came hand in hand or you could be diagnosed with both of them that would make life so much easier as well yeah absolutely well I think with your health the more equipped you are the better so the more you know the better your care is the better conversations you can be having with doctors so we need to try and be as as informed and and help everyone just know as much as they can you know there's some people with endometriosis who don't know anything else about any of the gynae conditions Mm -hmm. um, and and they might have them they might be attributing things to endo that they don't have or likewise um people there's you know like you say um there's quite often a a crossover and then with gynae i think we sort of mystify things so if you've if, if it's some if it's if you've got a name for it it must be that and that's it we don't look deeper and that's not fair. That's not good care. Yeah, absolutely. And in turn, in, when you're talking about awareness, um, obviously you were saying like we're working on some materials, um, Endo UK working on some materials with a teacher. Um, but do you think there's a way that we can kind of responsibly share this information, um, like age-appropriate information? Do you mean with people that we know or? Yeah, just kind of, I guess, on two levels, really, on a societal level, but then with people that we know, like, for example, I've got some young cousins who are all um, kind of between 12 and 14. And I guess Mm. there would be the way that I talk to them would probably differ from the way that I would talk to you, for example. Um, Yeah, absolutely. Well, part of the reason why I want this rolled out in schools is that we have some sort of um, not control, but so that we know we can sort of set a standard of what needs to be said and what is said, because we don't want fourteen-year-olds to to hear what I read on the internet. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we want to inform them, but not scare them. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's not. I have I have some friends. I've got two friends who've got endometriosis, and their 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 symptoms are really really light. Um, to to the point where you wouldn't necessarily know they they had it unless they had a brilliant gynecologist so it's not always that worst case scenario that I read online and there's so many different treatment options out there um and as we've mentioned you know there's so many different gynecological conditions that that are out there so that's why it's quite that's one of the beauty of this campaign is that we should have this sort of standardized information that isn't going to scare people that will inform them um and so yeah I think I think the tone that is set in schools is extremely important. I, we don't just want people um, going AWOL and, and, and giving the horror stories. Because mm-hmm. I think one, this is part of the reason why I got involved with Endo UK. You know, I read this horror story online and I don't think that doesn't matter what your age is. I don't think that should be the first thing that you read. Yeah. We need to, we absolutely, I absolutely believe that we need to, whilst letting people know what they've got and, and hopefully getting them quicker diagnosis. They need to know there's hope, hope out there. 
um, and that it's not all bleak. Um, and we can put that in the curriculum as well. You know, this is how you get the right care. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And actually, um, for anyone who's interested in this review, this consultation, you can... Um, I'm just saying this now before I forget, you can download it. So um, it's on, I'll put the link in the show notes actually, so you can read what's being proposed um, and you can see what's being highlighted for menstrual health. And as you said, it's it's very short. It's about two or three sentences and really vague. Um, and I think it's still open for the public to feed back as well. Um, and so what are the next steps within the petition and the campaign? So what, is there a deadline of like signing the petition and getting involved? Yeah, so unfortunately there's a deadline um, that we need to adhere to just because obviously this curriculum, it, they're not going to keep it open for years and years and years. So we need to get signatures by November. Okay. Um, yeah. That's good, a bit of urgency. Yeah. <laughs> get some people on it. <laughs> yeah. Fine. And we should be bringing something out um through end uk but we i mean what would be great is if we could get people writing to mps um and getting some again urgency behind it um but i think will be i think there should be a standardized letter again so you don't have to go and write war and peace about this okay. campaign. <laughs> um, okay so everyone just kind of follow endometriosis uk on instagram and social media and wait for kind of like this standardized letter that they can send to their mps yes okay perfect okay um so what i mean obviously what endometriosis uk is proposing is what's you know the difference between what's normal um for a period what's kind of average for a period and what's abnormal is there anything like on a personal level that you would personally like to be seen taught in the schools about menstrual well-being, not not in general. Everything. <laughs> um, I don't. This campaign just falls in line with things that we've been saying for years. Really, I can't think of anything extra to this campaign. What I do want to stress is that this isn't just um, a personal crusade for endometriosis. I do think it's because um, for me, you know, or for a lot of people, symptoms build. So you don't just start with endometriosis. So we all start off at, at day dot with our first period and it's scary. So um, talking about it in schools, you know, having having that sort of frank conversation like what I had with my mum, I just think that would do anyone who starts their periods the world of good. Yeah. I really do. Absolutely. And it kind of sets a pace for the rest of their lives. If mm. you can break that taboo and stigma, not even break it, you know, at some point, once it's in the curriculum, even if for some reason we don't succeed as fully as we'd like um, this time round, at some stage it's going to be in the curriculum um, fully. And so hopefully one day there won't be stigma and shame. But for now, breaking that stigma and shame early on and that taboo will hopefully mean that people can talk about these things moving forward so much more easily with their doctor, with their family, with their spouses at work. You know, there's so many, so many people who are worried about their jobs because they're too ashamed to tell their boss something that they've got a condition related to their menstrual well-being. Mm. 
you know, and they're like 30 or 40. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think it's not just this campaign for schools. It's not just about educating a generation. I've had loads of friends who have shared it on their Facebooks and then people have messaged them, their friends messaged them saying, oh my God, I can't believe you know about this. I have this. Or, oh God, I've just read it up on this. I think this is me. Um, and these are people in their 20s. Um, and not just that. So say in a year's time, it's in the curriculum. You know, these kids are going to be going home saying at dinner time, you'll never guess what I learned about today. And then that's a whole new conversation had with another generation, maybe two generations, their siblings. Um, so it's not just the knock on effect of one school year. Yeah. It's so much further reaching than that. Having so spoken about Parliament is a massive thing. You know, if we get to that point and touch wood, we will. <laughs> um, so it's so much more than just just educating some some kids at school. It should definitely not be girl, just girls to repair in the facts. Um, it needs to be so much more than that. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you, Alice, so much for all the work you've been doing, especially the way that, you know, you've been campaigning and pushing essentially for is it six years you've been trustee for Endometriosis UK. Yeah. So you've really been, you know, mm-hmm. flying the flag yeah. for young people and awareness about endometriosis. Um, so just a big thank you for just starting this pan- pantition? petition. <laughs> <laughs> periods on the brain yeah totally um (laughs) well I would um I would like to say well two things really a it's definitely not just me this campaign I've probably done less work than anyone else um there's been so many people put so many hours into the campaign so thank you very much and secondly if there are any young people listening to this um who understand what I'm saying or or want to add more or want to get involved with Endo UK um I'm going to have to step down probably in a year's time as trustee. Um, So I'd love to start having conversations with people who would be interested in doing something similar to what I've been doing Um, and waving that endo flag because it's the best thing in my life, really. And it'll be a very sad day when I have to step down. But I'd love to start building more of a network of of people who'd like to step up, really. Mm, Absolutely. Rewarding. How can they get in touch? Do they get in touch personally with you or should they get in touch with Endo, Endometriosis UK? I always say Endo UK. I shouldn't say that. So, but Endometriosis UK. Well, isn't it? Um, I'm really happy for people to get in touch with me personally. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the easiest way to do that would be, though, probably. Um, so if you were to email Endometriosis UK, they can put us in contact. I'm already in contact with, um, I've got sort of a nice little network. Um anyway but I'm always really encouraging of um, opening it up even more there's no barriers you know if you have just got something you want to say and a bit of fire behind it to do with endometriosis or to do with empowering people who are in a similar situation to you just because you can be there for them and listen then we will always always encourage that and actually it's the best thing you can do for yourself um you I just don't really feel like a victim of endometriosis when I am trying to kick its ass, really. Yeah, um, so, so yeah, agree with you there. And they'll put me, put you in contact with me, um, or find me on Twitter or something like that. I'm really, really open and and happy. I I used to have let it slip. Now I used to write a blog, and I'm, I'm still emailing people now who emailed me from that. So really, really keen. 
trying to be as approachable as possible just um just get in touch oh, no you're totally approachable <laughs> you're probably going to be flooded now so many emails oh, okay. i'll have to quit my job <laughs> well thank you so much for coming on and for talking about this um and yeah so just to recap um the link will be in the show notes um for to sign the petition for anyone who hasn't signed that please do share it everywhere um and anywhere um the hashtag is what i wish i learned um and i will put that hashtag in the show notes and you can partake in that on instagram twitter and facebook instagram is kind of where it's happening most but it is all over social media um and keep an eye on endometriosis uk for updates about um, their progress with going to MPs in Parliament and um, the standardised letter to take to your MPs. Cool. Thank you so much, Alice. And I will speak to you soon. And thank you. And don't forget to pass the, the petition on. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. All right, take care. <laughs> thank Bye. you. Bye. So that's it. I really hope you enjoyed this episode and you found it as motivating as I did and you feel as strongly as um, Endometriosis UK do about this issue. If you do, please head over to um, the show notes or just open the show notes on your phone. Um, show notes are on my website under podcast. They are in the notes of this podcast episode on whatever app you're using um, and the link will be there for the change.org petition. Please sign it, share it everywhere. Um, the hashtag is hashtag what I wish I learned. As always, if you like this episode, please share it, rate it or review it. Every little action helps it to reach more people around the world. Um, if you want to say hi, I'm on Instagram at this underscore endolife. And I'm also on Facebook at this endolife with capital T, E and L. Um, if you'd like to join the book club, it's kind of on an informal, well, it was on an informal break with everything that's been going on um in august um but please add yourself anyway well um request to join the group and i will accept you um and we will get back on track with that but if you'd like to join it that's on facebook and it's just this endo life book club endo life being one word and book club being one word and um i will accept you the next time i'm on thank you so much for listening to this season i've had some really lovely feedback from you guys if i haven't got back to you um that is kind of one of the, my biggest challenge areas, like having the energy to get back to comments and messages and emails. Um, I kind of put so much energy into keeping myself well, maintaining my relationships, um, maintaining this endo life and then doing paid work that um, by the end of the day or end of the night, I'm kind of, I don't really have much left in me to give you guys quality answers so I always kind of think I'll get back to someone when I have more energy and that doesn't really like happen because it all gets spent on other things so um and this month obviously has been um no exception and has been even more difficult um due to our living situation so um apologies but thank you so much for all of your love um all of your support your emails um, I really, really appreciate it. And I do read them. Even if I haven't got back to you, I do read them. And I will get back to you. Um, thank you so much for listening again and for being a part of this community. And I will see you soon. Take care.